So it's a joy for me to come back. Uh, I am actually from California, born and raised, um, lived in California my whole life, um, and uh, I lived in Los Angeles for about 10 years. Um, I, I got involved in the film and television industry, went through film school in, in my college years, and ended up in Los Angeles, and fell in love with my wife, who was going to school here at Loma Linda. So when I come back here, it's like, ah, this is where I found my mate. And uh, it's always kind of a joy for me to come back and remember. I live in Tennessee now, in Chattanooga, so I'm, I'm getting used to bugs and humidity, <laughs> which is a little different than what we have here. But uh, it's a joy to, to talk with you guys tonight. Um, if you guys are here for the first time and have never heard of our ministry before, Little Light Studios, um, we have a passion for, uh, for young people um, generally high school, college age range, we like to tackle topics that specifically young people are dealing with. And so it's kind of a passion of our, of our ministry. Media obviously being a huge portion of, of what young people deal with. And so often, most often, our ministry is invited places to speak on the topic of media. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a media talk tonight. Um, but there will be three kind of very different presentations. Um, if you come to Advent Hope um, for Sabbath um, t tomorrow, you'll hear something that's very different. And then Sabbath afternoon, we're going to talk a little bit about social media. And so um, I encourage you guys to come out to, to all of them because you'll kind of get a big picture of, of what God is really wanting to do inside of us and specifically inside of our church. So my goal here tonight is not to share with you a ton of movie examples, but to more or less just kind of teach you a principle that deals with, with media and movies and why we're influenced by what we see and what we hear. I titled um, this presentation called Mesmerized by the Media. And when you think of the word mesmerized, you think of, you think of what? Like hypnotism, right? Like, like actually like zoning out. Have you, ever, have you ever looked at the definition of what it means to be mesmerized? I'm going to show you guys um, what the actual definition here is. This is just coming from a regular dictionary. It's to hold the attention of someone to the exclusion of all else so as to transfix them. I'd like to submit to you tonight that really what God and what the devil are both trying to do is almost the same thing. They're trying to literally transfix your attention so that you do not see anything else. That's what God is wanting us to do, to put our eyes on Him and Him only, right? And the devil's got his tools to literally keep you distracted so that you don't see anything else than what his message that he wants you to be. So that's why I kind of titled it. It gives you a little background on, on, on um, the message tonight. I'm going to read to you a couple of verses that... Um, are pretty interesting, and over the week, un weekend, we will unpack these in greater depth here. Matthew 6, 22 to, through 24 says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if the eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee is darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one or, and love the other, or he, else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So I believe that this verse can be applied in a few different ways. 
We can't hold to two different worlds. The media is often portraying one type of a worldview, and Christianity is often portraying a different worldview. And sometimes, even in the church, we say, I know the truth, I sit in church all the time, I read my Bible, but we ingest and digest evil things from the world. And so I kind of wanted to, to give you a, a, a little background on that. Psalms 101.3 says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. And what the psalmist is saying is like, I don't want to put anything in front of my eyes that literally is going to turn me away from my path, my path being in the, in the ways of God. And so it, we would do well if we took this type of advice in our own lives as well. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Really, realistically, what you are is literally what you have brought into your mind, your thoughts, your feelings, that makes up who you are. So we want to be careful what kinds of things affect our thoughts and feelings, right? That seems like it's pretty logical. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, God is promising something. He's promising to give us a new mind. In fact, that's exactly what 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalteth exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and brings into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is a picture of where God wants to bring us in our walk with him. He wants to bring your mind into the captivity of Christ so that literally every one of your thoughts is in the obedience of God. That's a picture of where he wants to bring us as a people. Um, I'm going to show you a little bit of a graph because uh, um, this will make a little bit of sense when we start talking about people's media habits and media use. Um, time Magazine did a little article on what people actually do with their time. And if you look at this graph, um, this is about how much people sleep. They sleep about 8.9 hours. People generally work 5.7 hours out of the day, which I thought was rather low. And this says leisure time spent playing um, sports, playing with social media, or watching TV is about three or four hours out of the day. And I want you to notice this little pink line right here. 0.21 hours out of the day is generally how much time people spend in religious activities. Now, I want you to think about this. If you are spending four hours out of the day digesting movies and media from the world and only spending 20 minutes a day reading your Bible, what do you think has more weight in your mind? Very logical, right? Very simple to kind of understand Whatever has your attention is generally going to shape us. Now, have you ever filled out those Nielsen rating cards? Anyone ever filled those out? You ever got one in the mail? Do you know what a Nielsen ratings card is? So, in the olden days, they used to actually send a piece of, of 
um, like a survey to people, and you would fill out how much time you watch TV, what you watch TV, like what kind of shows do you watch. This was how the movie industry actually got the information of who's watching what and for how much time. Now there's a lot of digital ways that they can do this, but look at this. This article came out very recently in 2018, and I want to show you the impact that media has in our world. They are saying that nearly all adults are spending almost 11 hours out of the day in front of media devices. Now, this is not I'm watching television for 11 hours out of the day. This is playing with your phone, playing with your computer. You work at a computer. You're playing with social media. All these things added up. We are literally seeing an average of time spent in front of a screen of 11 hours out of the day. That's a lot of time. So it matters what you are actually watching and paying attention to. Now, I'm very interested in psychology, human psychology. And as I've gone around and studied what does the TV do to your brain, and I've traveled around and, and interviewed neurologists and scientists and doctors about how much this media is actually really impacting us, or how much does it really impact us, um, there are these things called social conformity. Have you ever heard of these experiments, social conformity? Um, I'll give you an example. Um, if everybody gets into an elevator, Generally, you walk into an elevator and you turn around and you face the door. That's what almost everybody does. So they were studying, would people not do that if everybody would face the back wall? It's very unnatural for you to face the back wall. And they found time and time again, if everyone is facing the back wall, people would get into the elevator and all of a sudden they'd turn around and face the back wall. So here is an example of social conformity. Everybody in the room is aware of what is going on except for one person that comes into the room. And watch what happens. Take a look at this crowded waiting room. These people may appear to be waiting for the eye doctor, but they're actually waiting for the first test subject in our hidden camera experiment. And here she is, right on time for her 12 o'clock appointment. Hi, how are you doing? This woman thinks she's here for a free eye exam. So this social conformity is very interesting. They tested this many, many different ways with many different experiments. And you guys can find these things on YouTube. You can look them up when you want. This guy right here is standing in a line that says, the line starts here. There's no information given to anyone that walks by. Literally, it's a guy standing in a line. And what they wanted to test 
would wood people come and stand in the line just because there's a line? So some curious people would come by and be like, hey, why are you here? And he said, I don't know, it just said, there's a line here. One by one, people started standing in the line. Now what's more fascinating about this is he said, I wanna see if they'll actually follow me wherever I go. So he takes them, now keep in mind, no one here knows why they're in the line. They don't know where the line's going. They don't know what it's for. They're literally following this guy because everyone else is doing it. Now, he goes and he tests them. There's a line and there's objects on the floor. And he says, if I jump over the line, would everybody jump over the line with me? Now, I found this pretty interesting because all it took was the first guy to do it. And then all down the line, everybody starts doing it. That's pretty fascinating to me. He did all sorts of things like hopscotch and everything, right? But why do we do this? Why do we have, oops, why do we have these things that we follow everyone else? What's the reason behind that? So um, this particular clip, it talks about we all have these things inside of our brain that are associated with learning. They're called mirror neurons. And so this gentleman here is going to talk a little bit about what those mirror neurons do inside of our brains. This is brand new science. This is Now, I want you to think about the implications of that. If we have special neurons inside of our brains that are associated with learning and they trigger when we watch other people do things, I want you to think about the implication of that of watching someone do something evil. If you watch someone do something that you know is evil or your Bible says you should not do it, neurologically inside of your brain, it is as if you are doing it yourself. Now, he goes on to de demonstrate how this works. He puts somebody in an fMRI machine and tests this by just looking at some pictures of a face. And once he had good view into my brain, 
So in his brain, all he had to do was see somebody do that action and literally the same parts of his brain were activating as if he was making those faces himself. Now that's a, that's a very interesting thing because when you start to look at why the Bible talks about don't be angry with your brother and you can just look at the titles of major films and say, my Bible tells me not to do this and yet this film is about this. To your brain, when you watch them, is it as if you do them yourself? Um, Jesus illustrated it like this. You've heard of them say of the time of old that thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever's angry with his brother without cause is in, will be in danger of that judgment. So Jesus is illustrating it saying, listen, you don't have to take out a gun and shoot someone to be in danger of the judgment of killing them. All you have to do is be angry. You can still be in danger of that same judgment by creating that anger in your mind. He goes on to illustrate it um, and talks about sexuality. This was a movie that came out a few years ago and, it, and uh, I found it kind of interesting because it said permission. It shows a picture of a guy and a girl and on the, on the bottom here it reads, can you be certain that he is the one if he's the only one? Now translate, what does that really tell you? That you should try all the flavors. Don't just pick one, you should try them all and before you actually commit to one. That is not a biblical concept. And so Jesus illustrates this um, kind of a concept by saying, listen, if you look after a woman and lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. You don't need to actually go through with the adultery to have that sin a part of you. All you have to do is start it in your mind. This is the reason why it's important as we analyze and look at media, what does the Bible say and what does this piece of media teach me? If they don't line up, then I believe that we should make some serious decisions about it. You can look at just some of the titles of the different films that come out. You don't even have to watch a trailer. You can easily see what that film is going to be about. Now, people ask me all the time, they say, yes, but I've watched a lot of movies with killing. And I've seen movies with killing. I'm not going to go out and kill somebody. I'm a good Christian. I, I come to church all the time and I read my Bible. But listen to this verse. Listen to how Paul illustrates this. In Romans 1.32, he says, Knowing the judgments of God, they which commit such things are worthy of death. Meaning, if I go in and I rob a bank, I'm worthy of the judgment of robbing and killing. That's what that says. But listen to how he brings it one step further. And he says, but not only do the same, but take pleasure in them that do that. 
Now, have you ever been uh, around any young teenage kids um, and asked them, do you guys know what the, the video game Fortnite is? Yes. Anyone? This is one of the most popular video games, um, and many, 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 many young kids um, play this video game. And I, I asked, uh, I was speaking to a group of kids the other day, and I said, please tell me what this video game is about. And there was a row full of about first graders in the front row. And I was even actually a little bit um, questioning, should I even bring this up? I mean, they're first grade, right? That's like five, six, seven years old. And I said, no, I, I, I bet you that they're, they're playing it. And the whole entire front row raised their hands. And, um, and I said, can you tell me what the video game is, is about? And he said, it's about killing everybody to be the last man standing. Now, what do we do with that? If it's just a game, but yet a verse like this says, listen, if you kill people, you're unworthy of that judgment. But if you take pleasure in someone else doing it, you're worthy of that same judgment as well. So think about that when you watch um, um, films or movies or anything like that. How many of you have ever heard of the term called binge watching? Anybody? So we have a new phenomenon in our world because you used to have to wait till Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, for this TV show to come on, and it wouldn't come on till the next Tuesday night, so it was a very slow process to watch that entire TV program. Now, because of the dawn of Netflix, you can sit down in one sitting and you can watch eight hours of the entire season. You ever known anybody that does this? So listen to this. This is the research that is starting to come out. This comes from NPR. It's saying that people that sit down and binge watch, such as things like House of Cards is, or the Orange is the New Black, all in one go, it seems like harmless phone, but the binge watching is making people miserable and depressed. Now listen, in article after article after article, you can look this up on the internet if you want to. Listen to this. This is the New York Post. What Netflix binge watching is doing to your mental health. Every single article says that it is increasing your depression tenfold. And NBC even said something and put something out and said, listen, binge watching is making people severely depressed. Now I wanna, I wanna share that with you an Adventist church because of this. We often talk about the church and the Laodicean message, right? What is that Laodicean message? The message is this. I know thy works, thou art neither hot, cold nor hot. I wish that thou were cold or hot, so that because thou art lukewarm I would, I would, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of thy mouth, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now question, what does the word wretched mean? Wretched, give me a definition of wretched. Listen to this. I looked this up on the internet and I said, what does wretched mean? I want to know. It says it's a person that is miserable, unhappy, heartbroken, sorrowful, despairing, depressed. And I went, that, isn't that interesting? That the, the group that the, that the end time church is struggling with, they struggle heavily with this thing called depression. And we have these things in our world that are heavily increasing the depression amongst our young people, amongst lots of people. And you'll find article after article, the more that you engage in watching tons and tons and tons of this modern media, you will find that it causes depression. 
I came across this article the other day and I threw this in, or not the other day, um, a while back, and I threw this in here because I wanted to illustrate a certain point. Um, these are two um, singers, uh, R&B singers, hip-hop singers, whatever you want to call them, and they were honored by the state of Florida for the Teachers of the Year Award. How many of you knew that they were teachers? <laughs> no? Here's what the article says. It's pretty fascinating. They were named best male and female teachers after judging them on several categories, deeming them more influential than teachers who actually commit themselves to children's education. You better bet they're teachers. They're 100% teachers. What are they teaching our children? That's the question. You see, these celebrities know that they can put something out and people will follow them. The funny thing is, is often we in the church do not know that, but I guarantee you, you talk with any celebrity, they know the power of their influence. Um, you may recognize this individual. Her name is Taylor Swift. She came out in Time Magazine. I uh, used to subscribe to this magazine, and I read this article, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Swift was talking about the people that follow her music, and this is what she says, Taylor Swift speaking. Swift is happy to minister th to them. Um, she's talking about her fans, and I think it's a very interesting word of choice. They are discovering the music that tells them how they're going to live their lives and how they should feel and how it's acceptable to feel. I think that's kind of exciting. You see, all these celebrities know that they have an influence over people. Time Magazine did an uh, uh, article on celebrity worship. Is it good for your health? And it says, new scientific research shows that celebrity crushes are not only common, but also healthy. A study that was published suggests that celebrity worship can boon people's self-esteem. And the article goes on to say, because people form bonds in their minds with their favorite celebrities, they are able to assimilate the celebrity's characteristics in themselves and feel better about them when they think about that celebrity. Now, this is 100% true. If you focus on a particular celebrity, you watch this person's movies over and over and over again, who do you want to become like? Like that celebrity. If you focus on Jesus and you read him over and over and over, who do you want to become like? It's that simple. The more time that you spend with these characters, yes, you take on their characteristics in yourself. There's lots of articles on the internet that talk about this. Um, so I want to talk about celebrities. How much of an impact do they actually really have? If you remember a, a film that came out eh, quite a few years ago now, there was a funny film called Anchorman. And um, this particular comedian... Um, it was uh, one of the actors in, in Anchorman. He played a funny character, uh, Will Ferrell. And he had a commercial series that came out that he was in these Dodge commercials. And if you ever saw the commercials, they were really funny. He would talk about how many sandwiches you could put in the glove box. How many pieces of bubble gum you could put in the center console? This was literally what the commercial was about. It said nothing about how far the car drove, what the gas mileage is, how long the car is going to last. It literally told you ridiculous information like how many sandwiches you could put in the glove box. And I want you to look at this. The sales for Dodge went up 40% because of these commercials. So people that go, oh, you know what, I'm not influenced or affected by these things. Listen, the, the proof is in the pudding. Now, Brad Pitt was paid $7 million 
for this commercial that I'm about ready to show you. Maybe some of you have seen this. You tell me if you would pay $7 million for this type of a commercial. It's not a journey. Every journey ends, but we go on. The world turns and we turn with it. Plans disappear. Dreams take over. But wherever I go, there you are. My luck, my fate, my fortune. She's not in five. My six-year-old could have shot a better commercial than that. Seven million dollars. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't even wrap around your head. Why would they pay seven million dollars for this, right? In fact, people were making fun of it so bad, Saturday Night Live got a hold of it. I kind of wanted to show you this just for how ridiculous a commercial like this is. Here's Saturday Night's version. So you, you get the point. Seriously ridiculous. But the reason they're going to pay $7 million is because they know if you like Brad Pitt, you will buy whatever he's selling. Why would Catherine Zeta-Jones be paid $20 million to put a cell phone in her hand? That's an incredible amount of money to literally hold a cell phone in her hand. Because they know if you watch her movies, you're more likely to go and use the brand that she uses. Hundred million dollars Tiger Woods was paid to wear a Nike swoosh. This is just insane amounts of money. Does anyone want to take a guess who the highest paid sports person is? I'll give you a hint. They're not from the United States. David Beckham, I heard it, okay? So listen how much David Beckham was paid $160 million to simply wear the Adidas logo. If you don't think that these people don't have an influence over you, the proof is in the pudding. They would not pay this kind of money. That would be a bad use of money. So my question is, even though we're talking about um, simple advertising here, why do you think watching your favorite celebrity in a particular movie and if he's doing something that you know your Bible says not to do, he's robbing a bank, he's cheating on his wife, he's doing whatever the Bible says that you shouldn't do, do you think that you would be influenced by that as well? I want you to think about that. Listen to this quote that Mrs. White says. I love this one. It comes from Education, page 57. The greatest want of the world is the want of men. 
Men who will not be bought and sold, men who in their inmost souls are true and honest, men who do not fear to call sin by its right name, men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole, men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. What a beautiful quote. What a beautiful quote of a picture of the people that God is promising he's going to give people that literally the world can fall around them and they will stand for right i i I wanted to put this quote in there because i want you to think about this when we digest truth and error truth and error truth and error there is a time coming that is going to be extremely confusing In fact, if it's not getting confusing enough already in in today's world, we haven't even seen the beginning of it yet. And so when we train ourselves over and over and over again to, to accept this truth and error, we are setting ourselves up down the road for a, a, a very, very difficult time. I want to, um, I want to share something with you that I, that I came across that is very interesting. I'm also very interested in technology. I love technology. Um, I keep trying to convince my wife why I need an iWatch, and uh, I have enough Apple devices to probably last a few families. I think that technology is a wonderful thing, but I also am very aware of the dangers that technology poses. And as much of a blessing as I think that this thing truly is, it is an absolute blessing. Did you realize that we have in our hands entire libraries of information that we can literally ask a question and it comes straight up. Do you realize that someone in the 1900s did not have access to what you have in one day in their entire lifetime? That's the privilege that we live in with this technology. It's a beautiful thing. You can use it in a beautiful way. I'm not saying that we should just live under a rock and not have anything to do with it. But I'm telling you, with the blessing of technology also comes some very dangerous things. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever read U.S. patents before, but there is a a patent that um, was very kind of interesting. And this patent that came out um, quite a few years ago um, came with an abstract that was basically saying, listen, psychological effects have been observed in the human subject in response to stimulation of the skin through weak electromagnetic fields and that pulse with certain frequencies near blank and blank hertz, such as to excite the sensory resonance. Many computer monitors, TV tubes, when displaying these pulsed images, emit pulsed electromagnetic fields of such aptitudes. Okay, I'm going to just kind of put this in the layman's terms for you. We know that we can affect someone's emotions based on the technology. So we know if you watch this certain type of technology, it's coming from a TV screen or a movie, it can produce an effect in your your actual body. And that's what the abstract is basically saying. But there is an analog um, thing, so like a waveform that's coming at you like this, where they have now the ability to embed a message inside of the waveform that is virtually imperceptible to you. You do not get the message that's coming at you, and yet they can totally control your thoughts. 
Now, now this, this, this was interesting to me. If you've ever watched those YouTube things, you know they have technology that they can beam sound. You ever seen those? So like in New York, if you're walking down the street, they actually have billboards on the walls or on the, on the buildings, and they can beam a tunnel of sound down to the sidewalk. And when you walk down the sidewalk, you can walk into the beam of the, of the sound and you hear the, the, um, the billboard. And literally, you can step this far away from the beam and you cannot hear anything. Like, the technology that they have today is just mind-boggling. And so in this technology, in this patent, they're saying, listen, we can embed a, a different um, message. They come with diagrams, and they say, listen, you can use a VCR or a TV monitor or some other kind of device, a DVD, and you can actually control people's thoughts. Videotapes can be edited as such to overlay this, this pulsating by means of modulating the hardware. I mean, this is like jumbo if you read the whole thing. It's pretty e interesting. But the end of it says that certain monitors can emit these electromagnetic field pulses that excite the sensory resonance in a nearby subject through the images that are so weak as to be subliminal. This is unfortunate since it opens itself to mischievous application of the invention, whereby people who are exposed unknowingly to manipulation of their nervous system System for someone else's purposes. Such applications would be unethical and is, of course, not advocated. When have you ever seen a U.S. patent come with a warning label? That's kind of fascinating to me. And this is one of many that are out there that are, are, are literally, the, the, the technology that's going into these, these things are just mind-boggling. So, um, I wanted to show you this before I kind of got to this, and I think it was in here, but I, I, I might have uh, taken this out. Actually, let me, un let me unskip this so I can show you this. Um, so this particular clip here that, that I'm gonna play for you is um, an interesting device that they are demonstrating how they can beam sound into your brain not using your ears, and he's gonna demonstrate it. Now there was the effect on you So they know they can beam signals into your brain that your brain can interpret 
and completely hear and understand, yet they do not hear it with their ears. Now, this technology exists. I'm not saying that movies are using this or whatever. I don't, I don't want to freak you out, but I want to tell you that the technology is scary in and of itself, and if somebody wanted to use it maliciously, it's there. And it will basically probably find its way in as the world gets crazier and crazier. Now, I wanted to bring up a couple of examples because what is the end game of, of, of all of this media? Um, I find a pattern. And when I find a pattern, there's got to be some reason for this pattern. H have you ever heard of the Marvel Universe or any of the Marvel movies that are out? Anybody ever seen any movies or anything from any of these guys, right? So this is kind of interesting. Um, this is 10 years in the making. The movie that they just released, um, The Infinity War, this last year, they took 10 years and many, many different films to lead up to this one last film. And it all centers around a universe where basically there is an evil being, this guy in the purple here, who's coming to destroy the world. This is the storyline of the actual um, thing. And he's coming to destroy half of humanity. And when he collects these different stones, he has these different stones that give him different superpowers, and he puts them in this glove, and when he puts them in a glove, each one of the stones gives him the ability to do these crazy things. And I'll tell you what the powers, or the superpowers are. He's the most evil character in the, in the Marvel Universe. One stone gives him the ability to be omnipresent. One stone gives him the ability to create life out of nothing. One stone gives him the ability to raise people from the dead. Let me know when your spiritual alarm bells are going off. So as you go through each one of the stones, it's literally an example of God. And that is what the entire series is about. God is coming to destroy half of humanity. We must fight against him. And when this kind of stuff gets put out there, he shows up to earth on a warship called the Sanctuary 2. A warship called the... I, I wish I could make this kind of stuff up, but I can't. And when I see our young brothers and sisters going to see these movies, it is literally like watching the devil tell you the great controversy from his perspective. That's literally what it's like. And so it's time that we are getting a conflicting message that is opposite of what the Bible is, is, is illustrating. Now, I'll give you another one that is a culturally sensitive film to talk about. In fact, um, we, we, we just released a documentary on this particular subject. The Black Panther broke all kinds of records. And it was brilliantly laid out because it was at a culturally sensitive time in our, in our society. And so everybody latches onto this and says, finally, listen, this demographic is underrepresented in Hollywood. And the fact is they are underrepresented in Hollywood. That is a fact. There is a way un under um, even playing field in this thing. But when we start to begin to allow our cultural sensitivities to trump thus saith the word of God, now we have a problem. When things happen that are literally things that the Bible completely talks against. In the beginning of the film, they, they showed a clip of how the Black Panther came to be. And 
I'll play a little clip so you can hear and understand where he got his superpowers from and where the first Black Panther came from. So if you have your spiritual alarm bells working, and you will notice that an animal came and gave him a piece of fruit that made him have some superpowers, you would immediately go, oh, oh, I've heard this story before and perhaps should not watch this. And so I found it very interesting that this little cat um, that is uh, the, the, the goddess, goddess Bast that they're talking about, he, there's all sorts of spiritualism that's in here. T'Challa comes and talks to his father, who's dead, who was a cat in a tree, an animal in a tree that comes and talks to him. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Every single Seventh-day Adventist in the beginning of this film should have walked out right there, literally, immediately. And, but but, but we, we miss that because we're not thinking of it in terms of what the Bible is saying and what does this movie teach. That goddess Bast is an ancient Egyptian um, cat god, and this is the one that gives him the superpowers, and so this god is from the city called Necropolis. Now, necro means dead, and polis means city, right? So he's this, from the city of the dead, and this is what it says. Uh, the Wakandan city of the dead, where the Black Panthers go to die, and where you rule as king of the dead, not king of the life, Every panther has ever lived. Every strength, their knowledge is now yours. Every battle fought, every battle won, unbeaten, unbroken, uncrowned. A king of kings. Who's the king of kings? Not the king of the dead. That's, that's Jesus. But they flip the whole thing around. And that's who they're holding up as their god. And the Bible's very clear about not having other gods. So I wanted to give a couple of examples to you like that. Because I want you to know we are engaged in a war. You've got to look at every piece of media that you watch, everything. What does the Bible say? Does it speak according to the word of God? Because if it doesn't, like it says in Isaiah 8, 19 through 20, to the law and to the testimony, if it speaks not according to this word, it is because there is no light in it. Now, I want to read this verse to you, 1 John 1, 5 through 7. Then this is the message that we have heard of him, Jesus, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, then we lie and we do not have the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If you are a child of the light, you should walk in the light. Don't walk in darkness. Don't look at the things of the world that are full of darkness. Have you noticed that a lot of media is really, really dark? Have you noticed that? Be careful of that, and be careful that when the Bible says, be a child of the light, don't stand in both worlds. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, says Ephesians 5.8. Mrs. White has some really good advice for us. Um, she wrote in Our High Calling, if we would at last share in the reward of the righteous, we must wisely improve the time of our probation. Moments are more precious than gold.
She also says in our high calling, life is short, the things of the world must perish with the using. Let us be wise and build for an eternity. We cannot afford to idle away our precious moments or engage in busy activities that will bring forth no fruit for eternity. Let the time hitherto be devoted to idleness, frivolity, worldliness be spent in gaining the knowledge of the scriptures and in beautifying our life and blessing and ennobling the life and character of others. This work will meet for us the approval of God and win for us that heavenly benediction, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Brothers and sisters, I believe that we are on the cusp edge of eternity. I believe that we are out of time. And I believe that we don't have time to be wasting in all of this dark media of the world. And so it is a burden of mine. Um, I want to, to share that, and I wanted to share this message with you tonight. And hopefully, if you guys are there tomorrow, it'll make a whole lot more sense as we begin to unpack what is this thing of Christ being in us? What does that actually mean? How does that actually transpire? And what does it mean for us to be found in Christ? And when you kind of understand those concepts, it makes a lot of sense why you, you cannot stand in both worlds. If you fall in love with God, things should, evil should make you feel sick. When you see evil things, you should, you should shun away from them, not want to sit there and digest them. So I want to thank you guys for coming out. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful Sabbath day that we're about to enter into here, a day of rest that we get a chance to take our eyes off of the things of the world and to just reflect on spiritual things. Lord, we want to be a people that are prepared for you, and we want to prepare our hearts. We want to prepare those that are around us. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things in this world that are vying for our attention, but Lord, I, it is my solemn prayer that we can be a people that are found to be ready for you. We want to thirst and, 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 and seek after your kingdom first, and we want you to be in our hearts. We thank you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.